Surely you're joking. It's supported by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash SYJ to get a 30-day free trial with a free audiobook. You can choose from 180,000 bestsellers, new releases, sci-fi, romances, mysteries, classics, and everything else. Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash SYJ. Talking to people about dark matter and neutrinos can be funny. Surely you're joking. Hopefully, yes. What a wonderful universe. Welcome to Surely You're Joking. I'm your host, Dr. Kevin Peter Hickerson, and hosting with me today is Jimmy O. Yang. Bachelor's degree, Dr. Jimmy O. Yang. Hey, Jimmy. And, of course, Griff Pippen. Woo! Now, Griff, you're in for a treat because for the first time on Surely You're Joking, second time on Surely You're Joking, we have another ginger on the Whoa, show. Whoa, dude, you can't say that. Only we can say that. Okay, That's sorry. our word. <laughs> That's our word, dude. I'm very <laughs> happy to introduce this guy. He's uh, been a friend of mine for a while now. Um, he's one of the nicest comics I know. Very funny guy. Hosts the TV show Laughs. He also has uh, his own podcast, does lots of stand-up, and he's even going to tell us about a movie that he just got a part in. Steve Hofsetter. Hey, thank you. Thank you for that intro. Very little of that was true, but thank you for that <laughs> intro. <laughs> Uh, pretty much every intro I ever do comes out wrong. You can ask Jimmy. You that. didn't mess up Steve's yeah. name. That's true. That's he right. He messed up everybody's everybody. name. Everybody's name, but mm-hmm. yours. It's a first. Like Josh Brenner, two syllable, messed up. <laughs> How did he mess that one up? He, he I called him Steve or something. At the end, he didn't remember the guy's name was Josh. Okay, yeah. Maria's name was a little tougher. It's Spiripulu, which is Spiripulu. a little tougher, but that I guy. I thought got you were going to say he messed up Maria. No. <laughs> no actually, I did it because she doesn't pronounce it Maria. She pronounces Maria. Oh, Maria. So, Mario. Okay. Yeah. So you of the actually a. messed up. Pronounce her name Mario. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Maria. She's from uh, Greek. Greek. Yeah, she's, she's, Greek. she's from Greek. She's from. Uh, she's from Greek. No, she, she's she's from um, right next door to it. Alexander the Great was from there. Crete. No, I'm just uh, making little stuff small up. country right Moldavia? next to it. No, it's mm. right next to Greek. Luxembourg, oh, Ma- Macedonia. Macedonia. <laughs> He's just naming small countries. Yeah. <laughs> small countries. Vatican City. Don't get enough press. <laughs> Who's, when's the last time Luxembourg was in the news? What did they well, know for? Skype started from there. They need to invade stuff or be invaded to be yeah. more in the news. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. They have some cool features, though. Like, um, they, <laughs> they have cool features. Yeah, so they made, they're phone? the largest export of stamps in Europe. How is this a thing that you know? Oh, I know a lot about Luxembourg. Yeah, I'm part Swiss, so this is like, I'm probably related to them. And they call Wait, it the, hold on. I know a lot about Luxembourg because, well, I'm from a different country. Yeah. <laughs> it makes well, a lot of sense. From, you're not going to find somebody who's from Luxembourg because there's like 2,500 yeah. of them. My favorite so. tiny country is uh, Lesotho. Oh, yeah. Because that is one. surrounded by. South Africa. It's very weird. It's like it's it's South Africa. Yeah, see, yeah, it's, it's, it's like in the right middle. In the right, kind of the middle. Yeah, it's yeah. very weird to be like all their border. I forget. It's Lesotho and Swaziland or Swaziland or whatever it's called. One of them is completely surrounded by the other country. Yeah, and then Swaziland country. is like surrounded on like eighty percent of its borders. It's very <laughs> weird. Just the idea of like 
you can't like if you're at war with that country you've got no allies you're screwed because it's just <laughs> we should start a comedy scene there i'm sure it's you know it's, it couldn't have much going I, on i went to south africa they have got a great young comedy scene there yeah you and i both work there oh yeah that's right we Cape talked Town. about that yeah, yeah. uh you guys the, were there at the same time no no no, no but we talked about it oh okay. uh the the weirdest thing to me about that scene is that it's both like it, they've got the internet, so they know what comedy is now. But when a comedy scene first starts in any country, it's like super hacky because that's how right, things yep. first start. So that exists at the same time. There's like the super hacky people, and there's also the like the 1980s comedy in America. You know, like the variety si- act, silly tie and bright colored jackets. I, and like, I think it was a comic you're talking yeah, there, about. There's a lot of that, but then there's also the people who are like the total alt on the other side of things and they exist at the same exact time in the same place. It's ah. very weird. Are yeah. the alt people totally. as advanced as the alt people here? Or is I it s- alt for like 90s? I here? saw an alt dude from Ghana doing a Humpty Dumpty joke and it was fantastic. There, was there's brilliant. some real alt there. Yeah. Well, because then, because those are the people who are like on Reddit all the time who are like... Right. But, but then the people who are just excited, like one of the things about comedy in South Africa is that black people have only been allowed to talk to white people for about 20 years. So there have been, I mean, it was apartheid. And so there have been, there's like, there's a lot of black comics who are very clever and creative and doing very well. But then there are also a lot of black comics who the old white people are just so excited by the novelty of it. Mm. Where they're just like, let's listen to this guy talk. Yeah, <laughs> it's friendly racism almost. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, we'll go to the show and then we're all cool now, right? <laughs> so yeah. Is there yeah. like a BET Def Jam scene there, or is it like smarter black comedy? Not saying that's not smart. I love that kind of stuff. But is there that? I saw a lot of everything. I was really blown away with what I saw. Yeah, it, it is weird. It's a lot of different scenes from different times in different places, all existing in one place at the same time. Yeah. South African uh, slang is awesome. I love it because it's like this mix of just like Zulu and like uh, Afrikaans, Afrikaans and it's so cool to to listen to people. Yeah, if you ever want, you know, doing street talk, awesome linguistics. All you have to do is just subjugate a people for a couple centuries, and then. Make it illegal for people to mix, and then it'll a couple of good words will come out of that. Uh-huh. That's, that's why so, the comedy the, comes from pain. Yeah. That's why you, you red hair guys are are getting funny now, because getting funny. Yeah. Bill Burr, Louis C.K., Lucille Ball, getting funny. Bill Hicks was kind of redheaded. Excuse me, but Lucy Balls, uh, Lucy Balls, Lucy hair. Balls, Lucy Balls, Lu- Lucy, Lucy Balls. Yeah. Balls. I can't even nuclear physics. Lucy Ball did not have red hair; she had gray hair. I've I've seen it. Oh, because black times. and white television. Yeah, yeah. I see what you did. Ah, wow. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's cute. Okay. That's adorable. Now, people that are redheaded, like CK or like Bird, they don't just do redhead comedy. They don't do any redhead. They don't even talk like, about it. Yeah, I'm a redhead. When redhead people, all... they get beat by extension cords when we were growing up. Like, yeah. none, none of that, you know. But you uh, haven't Lucy seen K- Bill's early stuff. Oh, I see. No. <laughs> no, I think everyone mentions it at some point because it's part of our identity, and you know, uh-huh. you, you address it. But it's definitely—I've never seen a redheaded comic do like only like they were known as the redhead. Like they would only right. do redheaded <laughs> comedy. There's a space for that. Whereas, though. whereas there is like there, I've seen you know, for example, I've seen Asian comics do nothing oh, yeah. other than being Asian, and I've seen black comics do nothing other than being black, uh-huh. and I've seen southern white comics do nothing other than being southern. Right. But I've never seen a redheaded comic just be like, "This is all I know." <laughs> You'd run out, yeah, because I've heard a couple decent redhead jokes. You'd run out of bullying and sunburn jokes pretty fast. Yeah. 
I I have you know six minutes or so on one of my albums about it. That's and really that's, good for redhead jokes. There's it. also like a following for things other than red hair though. Like all the things you named, there's a sizable market of people who that's all they're going to want to hear. You would have to be just all redheads would have to be. How dare you, sir? <laughs> no one's uh, done a redhead, redhead days. comedy show. Yeah, there's a national ginger. I couldn't. I was asked to MC the one in Chicago, and I couldn't do it because I just I had a conflicting thing. I, I told them I'd love to do it the next year. There's you mean a, a whole lineup of redheads or the audience and everyone? No, there's a thing called Redheaded Days. It started in uh, Breda, um, which is I think the Netherlands, and it, it was this festival, and like thousands of redheads would go to this one place. It's all indoors. It's yeah, it's, <laughs> it's indoors in a convention center. Frankly, it it's terrifying. There's uh, just there's sunscreen everywhere. wagons. We all show sell it for and move things with our mind. Um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, and so then they started doing them in other places. Also, there was a very successful one in London, and then the first big one in the U.S. was Chicago last year. And uh, I was I was actually there the week before, but I couldn't make it for that. But they asked me if I wanted to stick around a host. I was like, no, I can't. I can't do it. So Louis C.K. and I have a thing in common, which is we're both. Uh, he's Mexican. I'm part Mexican, but I don't at all look. Just part just the you two you two guys or what? No, no. There's lots. No, I'm of just us. saying a lot of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's like yeah, huge fraction of how are you Mexican? Yeah. Okay. I'm quarter Mexican. <laughs> so, so yeah, you're how? saying that, that what you have in common is is your secret Mexican? Yeah, yeah, we're like undercover Mexican. Don't get treated like Mexicans. Yeah, no one's ever gonna try and kick me out. I don't think for other reasons. For, yeah. <laughs> this is Wikipedia. It's great. It just starts off as he's a Mexican American comic. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. can claim the first part, Kev. <laughs> oh snap! <laughs> I know what's best about that—that that he said you're not a comic, or they said you're not even American. Ooh, oh, America. man, it's getting hot in here. I think it's it actually um, is temperature-wise, but there's yes. a market for everything. Like a guy that's at the Asian comic guy, the black comic guy, and all that. It's just—I feel like sometimes people put themselves in a hole when they. Are the fat comic, yeah, or the bitch comic? Then what if you get skinny? Like that's you, what I'm saying. You, oh you man, fat yeah. comic to lose his weight. You're no in one's no one's done that worse than Big Boy. Like he oh, has his billboards yeah. everywhere. He had to move channels and everything. I I oh. met Big Boy before he had his like his surgery and everything, and he was a very large guy. For Huge. those listening and, in Romania, Big Boy <laughs> is a local because uh, we have fans there. He's he nationally syndicated. Yeah, he's national he? now. Yeah. Okay, there you go. For those in Romania, so for those in Romania, he's a radio DJ. Yeah. And he made his whole, you know, name and everything, identity, all around the fact that he was huge. And then he, for, you know, for medical necessity reasons, uh, got very aggressive surgery, stapled his stomach, and got very thin. And now there's posters, and it's like, you know, big boy. It has a picture of him he not being He still says that, big boy. But yeah. his, his he's kind of tall. He's, he's tall, big. Yeah. He's a big dude. Yeah. And yeah. Um, his story was so, like... Um, covered and and such a popular story that this huge guy almost died lost a bunch of weight so i think when people see big boy they see like a good story so it's fine and it's positive uplifting yeah and he doesn't do a ton of fat jokes like his thing is the luther lufe the the crank calling and stuff so i think that's funny universally that's my the the first year i i or the first time i ever came to la 2004 and I was waiting in that awful last comic standing line. Oh my god! And if you ever want to like be ashamed about comedy or about humanity, mm-hmm. <laughs> just wait in that line. Because and that was before that was before everybody knew that like it's fixed and it's. What just, season was this? So that's season two. 
Oh, after that so, fan. Yeah. yeah, so it was right after that fan. So we were talking about him. And this one woman was just like, you know, I think it's really great what he's been able to do because, you know, his his ability to make jokes about other things is a lot more limited than other people's because of <laughs> the experience that he grew up in. I was like, no, he has everything else that we have plus Asian jokes. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> it's not like when you grow up and like, well, I did have an immigrant mother, so... I can't notice anything in the world. <laughs> it was just such a weird take. And I don't think Dat would ever say that. Like, it was just a very weird, homeless-ish woman in the line for Last Comic Standing take. I've, I've had people come up to me after a show, like, usually, like, old white women, which is, they always, they are, like, so earnest, it's insulting. You ever get that? Maybe you guys not, but, like, this lady came up to me after a show and saying, I had a pretty good set. And then she was like, that was, that was just so brave. Congratulations! I'm like, oh, like, that's what you say to like a mentally challenged yeah. person. Like, that's so brave. I've never like, been. That, no, that's not a word I've ever been called. On, right? Not just on stage in general. I'm I not, can't believe yeah. you stood up for all redheaded people up there, Steve. So brave. What do they? What do you think they mean by that? Because like maybe I'm Asian and maybe I talk about me being an immigrant or something. So she said that or what? yeah, but you, you bring bravery. You look like an Asian girl too. It's like, you bring it that up. Maybe she's a female Asian comic, Jimmy. It's not that easy. I don't know what it is. It's just seems like I'm so unlikely to do comedy that the fact that I'm doing comedy it's like a crippled guy going skydiving maybe That's, she's maybe I, she's saying like what what with the family pressure to be a doctor yeah sure. That's, <laughs> that's probably what it is because your, your family right, right. wants you to be a doctor or an accountant or a lawyer and you don't do that you you took the risk of pissing your family not just right. his family, family very but brave. society yeah, it's a society. so brave to not be such a huge Other disappointment <laughs> to your entire <laughs> culture and country I think she actually just thought I was retarded like I mean that's, that's <laughs> what it was Kev, what, uh, what do we have in the news bulletin for uh, some science news No, today? we're going to do that. We're going to whiz away from I'm the conversation. Super. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Steve, right. okay, okay, come on, Brian. What movie are you going to be in? Oh, uh, so it's called Love Always Santa. Mm. And it was a movie made by, uh, it was written by Jay Black and Brian Herzlinger. Jay Black's another comic who's, he's awesome. And I got to play, it's a romantic comedy. It's a Christmas movie. So it's coming out in like no, late November, early December. And I got to play an open mic poet. Amazing. <laughs> who was super serious about poetry in this tiny little rural coffee shop. And it was fun That's because, so you know, it, it was a little weird. I was definitely the least experienced on the set. I mean, some of the other people in the movie were like uh, Brady Smith, who's done a ton of stuff. And the guy who played the dad from Awkward is, is in it. And, uh, oh, Connie from the Mighty Ducks. Like, she's the nice. one of the main cool. people. Uh, I know they all have real names, but I <laughs> I only really hung out with Brady. Anyway, so uh, so there, but like knowing the the director and the writers, like it allowed me to play around a little bit more. And so when they came by me in the coffee shop before, like my character starts speaking. I'm just behind one of the other characters, and I figured, you know, if this guy's obsessed with this, I started stretching. I just, like, so as they're, like, I'm behind the scene, and I just start, like, you know, like, jumping up and down and kind of, like, doing the thing with my neck where I'm, like, running around, like, about to go up and open mic. So it was, uh, I just had, I just thought, of, I was like, well, who are the worst open mic people I've seen in my lifetime? <laughs> and you know so many. And just of them. amalgamated them all into one character. That's and great. That's, yeah, he gets really bummed that they call him off stage early. It's it's a small part, but it's it was now so much fun. Now I want to watch the movie. It was so much fun. Well, I mean, like you able to bring all that stuff into the small into part one, is yeah. wonderful. Yeah, that's it, what it separate the men from the boys. It, it, well, yeah. I mean, that, that's why they gave me the part because they're like, you know, who's seen. 
a thousand terrible open micers. <laughs> Steve Hofstetter. You can, you can do this. PC more than anybody. It was yeah. either you or Jamie Masada, and then they thought an old Persian guy would be confusing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jamie's seen more bad open micers than anyone in this business. Yeah. Oh, and he sits patiently on Wednesday and watches. It's them. amazing to me that he's able to do that because, like, I got. I had I recently had a gig where uh, it was this fundraiser gig, and then the fundraiser they sold no tickets. They just, it was so ridiculous because they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna raise a ton of money. Tickets are gonna be seventy five dollars." And I was like, "Honey, I'm not a seventy five dollar act. Like, I don't know <laughs> what you're thinking, but you probably shouldn't charge more for me than Bill Burr. Like, I don't want it. They're like, no, it'll be great. I go, no, it's not. My fans are young. This will not work. This will yeah. not work. So of course they don't sell many tickets. So then they decide they're gonna add like a local component to the show where they have like before the show they have like an open mic ish type thing and they asked me if I would watch and give notes oh, and I was Jesus like well Christ. okay they're trying to do this for a good cause they're not you know I understand why and it did bring a lot more people out but oh god oh painful oh god it was just I'm just sitting there and because when I agree to do that I'm gonna do it right and I'm gonna take notes and I'm gonna give I'm not just gonna be like keep going up like I'm not I'm gonna actually be like well Here's what was awful, and here's what you know. Try to give them something encouraging, like you nice shoes, you know, or something. <laughs> the way you held the mic was amazing. Was, yeah, most of the time not, and uh, <laughs> that was usually the first tip. Um, but it was, you know, and a lot of the people were, you know, earnest and and sweet and and new, and that's why they needed tips. But it was just something where it's just so difficult to sit through that. And, and that was one night. Oh. I've seen some of the craziest open micers, especially at the Laugh Factory. Jamie's the owner of the Laugh Factory, because I think the lore on Sunset Boulevard yes. like the open yep. mics at like Bring comedy store people. like I've heard people talk a shit on stage at the comedy store on an open mic Jesus um, that I happens sh- emotionally all the time absolutely <laughs> 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 nightly um, and then there's this lady literally like wrapped up like wrapped her face um as in she just had plastic surgery and did a whole bit in character oh. uh, there's a lot of these in character wannabe actresses or actors there and to us comics, I feel like that's the most insulting thing. Like, yeah, they're yeah. taking a spot from somebody who's trying to be a comedian. Yeah, and then they're like, yeah, I think it's just going to help my acting career, man. You know, I'm yeah. just doing it. There was a guy, uh, usually, so, and Jimmy knows this, I'm, I'm there every Wednesday, and the open mm-hmm. mic thing they do is before the Tuesday night show. So I usually don't have to be a part of that craziness at all. Oh, did they move it? It used uh, to be Wednesday, right? It's uh, Well, I know it's been it's been Tuesday since I've been there. Okay. I thought so, it was always Tuesday. It was, so okay. they... Uh, but they had to move our show once for a fundraiser. And so then I'm getting there as all the crazies are leaving. Mm-hmm. And this is not something I'm used to seeing. Yeah. And there was a guy who literally had like, picture one of those like AV carts from high school. You know what I mean? Like he had kind of one of those, except it was like a wood frame television on top. <laughs> and he was doing a bit like as if he were like behind it. And he came over to Jamie afterward, and he was apologizing because he was like, yeah, you know, uh, things didn't really go well tonight, but I think I'm really going to work on the one. And I just wanted to say to him, never talk to people. <laughs> like, you're not good at it, you know? Like, stop. Like, why would you? The idea that he really believed, it was that that earnest thing that you were talking about before, Like that he, but he genuinely believed that the reason it didn't go well not because it was the shittiest premise for an act. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not because it was piss poor execution. But just the environment wasn't right. Things just, the, the stars didn't align. Like, whatever it was. Anything like, but him. Anything but the fact that, like, <laughs> this is a horrific. Anything but the fact that I'm two foot six and trying to dunk. Like, anything. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
Oh, it's was, like a catch twenty two, right? Like you know that gonna, dude's crazy because he doesn't know he's crazy. Yes, <laughs> and then he's gonna talk his way out of it. He was gonna erase that image in his head by yeah. just saying, "Oh, it's because of, yeah." This one of one of my favorite things <laughs> is watching people come into the Laugh Factory trying to be comics and not knowing who Jamie is. Mm. So I mean, Jamie Masada is one of the most powerful people in live appearance comedy. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know he is. He is close friends with a with a lot of network execs. He you know he owns a, he owns half a dozen clubs that he books personally. You know, whereas the improv is a very fractured chain, and right. a lot of people do different things. Like Jamie really is one of the most powerful people in live stand up. And this dude came in once, and uh, he he comes over to me, and he and he was like, well, no, I was talking to Jamie, and he comes over to Jamie and he asks Jamie if he's a comic. Like, oh, you you comic man. And uh, Jamie's just very much, he doesn't ever say, I am the owner of this place, bitch. Like, he, he's mm-hmm. not like that at all. He just goes, oh, you know, I'm not. But it points to me and just goes, but he's very funny, which, of course, is <laughs> Jamie's little way of saying, haha, Steve, deal with this shit. Yeah. So, then, <laughs> so then the guy starts talking to me, and he also doesn't know who I am. And he, you know, when I ask him, I was like, you know, how long you been you been doing this? And he start he says nine, and I really wanted months to follow nine. <laughs> or maybe days. He said nine years. Oh, man. He oh, was wow. in town from New Orleans visiting LA. And I'm just sitting here being like, this is exactly what you hoped would happen. <laughs> <laughs> like you came to LA hoping you'd run it. You run into one of the most powerful people in comedy. You don't know who the hell that is. Yeah. He pawns you off on someone who books shows in 16 different cities and runs a television show. Right. You don't know who either one of us this is. This is the best and worst possible thing to happen. Like, he had no idea. And he was kind of, like, being cocky about, like, oh. who we, and I was kind of like, so nice meeting you, best of luck. And people just have such big egos. And, you know, like, I am... I have run my own show at that club for over a year. I have... And at three of their other locations... Um, and I still don't feel like I can walk in there like I'm all that. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I like you're earning your respect there still. Yeah, I mean Jamie calls me the Yiddish word for family, and I still do not act like that. Yeah, I do not understand when people, not there, but in general in life, like when people believe their own hype that much that they could just treat people. like Well, that. Uh, so you know, Jimmy does a show about billionaires, and I actually worked with billionaires and. They they're the same way. Like they get a similar kind of mentality. There's something about having people a billionaire kiss can though. Yeah, well, because <laughs> to a, to a degree, I yeah. mean, they can do similar faux pas. I'm not saying they should. I'm not saying they should. Yeah. But it's a lot easier keep to in, keep in mind they could do a lot more damage too. That's the that you know they'd be like, no, this is a great idea. I'm spending eighty billion dollars on this idea. Yeah, so yeah, they, they can really they can still their ego can run away from yeah. them. But but what I mean is is there are people who suddenly believe that they have so much power in the no one has that much power. In this I, business. I think in L.A. you have to kind of think that way to keep yourself sane. Especially if you nobody. Like for me, when I came from San Diego, right? I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm like talk, good, like big shit in San Diego, you know? <laughs> and I don't want to do no open mics and stuff. Yeah. And then I got stuck. But like, luckily, I was able to get on some TV shows, but I'm still like stuck, like comedy store. Like, those people don't know who I am, but yeah. I don't want to go through the open mics there, you yeah. know? And that's yeah. like the only way. So it, it is like a thing where you paint a picture of yourself that's bigger than yourself to make yourself feel a little better yeah it's a delicate balance of and i mean stand up in general being someone who's willing to take the stage and tell a bunch of strangers that they know what funny is Mm -hmm. like you have to have enough ego to believe in yourself 
but be humble enough to understand where you are. Yeah, and you have to start from zero whenever you come to LA. And it's it's yeah. a very delicate balance of the of those two. Yeah, a huge part of it though is stand up. Part of what people are looking for is confidence. Yeah, like that. So it, it's not that it's weird crucial. that overconfident people but there, get into it. But there's a like, difference. That's where that gets you know cheered on. Basically, there's a difference between that and like uh, a friend of mine used to put it very very well. Uh, Dennis Donahue would often say, "Even drug addicts know how to get their crack." <laughs> but like there are comedians who don't know how to get their stage time the one mm-hmm. thing that like that they're addicted to they don't they will talk themselves out of it all the time yeah and like the idea that drug addicts are smarter about their fix says a lot i i would say getting stage time is much more delicate than getting crack <laughs> it's a lot harder to get stage time than crack too. no seriously because to get crack you got some money you go to your crack dealer that's it right you know where your crack guy is like for for that comment that came from new orleans like for him to approach you to get stage time how would he even go about doing that like even if he's the nicest guy the moment he asks hey steve can i be on your show you're just like dude fuck off like honestly well yeah but that's one of the things i always tell people is you got to be friends with someone before you can ask them a favor otherwise you're just panhandling Mm-hmm. Like when your first conversation with me is, can you give me money? That's panhandling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what that is. And yet there's a lot of panhandlers out there. There really I've are. I've had that conversation with a lot of people. Hey, can you give me money? I'm like, mm, there are so nah. many, like, here's an example. Uh, I was doing a show in, uh, in Raleigh and uh, I figured, oh, you know, Mike Kaplan was playing uh, Good Nights. And it's I was great. like, let me go say hi to Mike, you know, and this is when he, before he was coming to L.A. a lot. So I hadn't seen him in a while. And so uh, I went over with with my buddy who was touring with me and and we went over to say hi to Mike and it was great. And in the feature, we were having a, we were all having a lovely conversation. We're just shooting the shit in the green room, having a good time, just being people. And then the feature just asked me for work. Mm. And I was like, oh, OK. And I wanted to just take him aside and be like, here's what you do. You just have a conversation with me. Yeah. You keep in touch. You shoot me a text or an email in a few days. And you say, hey, really great hanging. Then I rep- wait for me to reply to that one. Yeah. And I say, yeah, you too. So great to see you. Blah, blah, blah. Wasn't that fun? And then yeah. you can say like, hey, you know, I was looking to do more stuff in the Midwest. How do I blah, blah, blah. Like, that's how you do that. Are you taking notes, Kev? Yeah, (laughs) for any comics listening, I was about to say, I've run 10 shows myself, and and it's the same exact thing, too. I just started doing shows at Laugh Factory, and I did not just approach these bookers. Legitimately, Mm -hmm. and another thing is, I I like to support a lot of other comedians. I actually will go out and watch their set. And Gross. support. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's another thing too, being supportive of the scene. That's, that's I was in a show with Steve and he didn't watch my set. <laughs> I don't blame probably him. Probably not. No, yeah. that was probably a good thing. Uh, but yeah, yeah really, and, and also being just supportive of the comedy scene, supporting other shows too. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if someone's going to, you know, even ask of one of your shows, supporting your shows. Well, I, I always liken it to it's, you know, to like dating. Like if you go to a bar and you just ask, everyone you see to fuck you the person who says yes is probably the one you don't want to fuck (laughs) every now and then you might just be in the right situation yeah where someone like i uh i once there was a friend of mine this was a long time ago a friend of mine and we were like 
I was dating someone else and she got very flirty and I turned her down because I was like, no, I have a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And she was really embarrassed by it. And the next night she ended up going to a bar and like hooking up with a guy. And I told her, I go, that dude owes me a fruit basket. (laughs) (laughs) Like that situation. Every now and then you get in, you know, you get into that. But for the most part, if you just go up to someone and be like, you know, hey, who here is going to fuck me? Like it's not going to work out. But if you think to yourself, okay. I'm going to go to this bar, not to get laid in the bathroom at this bar, mm-hmm. but to eventually date someone a couple of weeks from now that it'll work out, blah, blah, blah. And the long game, that's a lot more attainable. Brilliant analogy. Yeah. Exactly. I love that analogy. Yeah, getting stage time, you should approach, it's more like a social thing. It's a people-to-people thing. You building gotta, a relationship. Building a relationship. Yeah. It's, like, it's like getting a girl. But instead, people's brains, like, that's why there's so many people that can't even get girls out there because their brains are so, like, Neanderthal, like, transaction-based. It's like, they think it's like buying crack. Transaction-based. I love that. Yeah. Right? Like, then, they think it's yeah. buying crack. It's like, I got five bucks. Give me some crack. Like, what's up? I'm asking. I know how to do jokes. Give me some stage time. Do you get a lot of crack for five bucks? I haven't been in the crack game in a while. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good deal. Back in the day, but I don't know <laughs> yeah. how the prices are crack? now. Yeah. yeah. Hong Kong crack. Now, he's crack. on Silicon Valley. He has a crack guy that buys it for him. <laughs> now okay. I do cocaine. Yeah, you know, I've graduated to crack. <laughs> yeah. So, Steve, you might not realize this, but this is actually a science and comedy <laughs> podcast. I was trying earlier. So, uh, you never got shut you're down. you comics, so I'll talk science. All right, so this is all about, this is, we talked uh, linguistics. We've talked uh, anthropology. It's not a real science, but still. So, we've so, talked. Sociology <laughs> yeah. of networking. The exactly. science of uh, relations. Yeah, you know? science of building relationships. Yeah, yeah. Social yeah. science, where a lot of actual scientists lack. You're, you're, yeah. So, uh, Jimmy, you made me look up some stories today. So I <laughs> yes. <did that. laughs> because we didn't have a scientist today. We usually talk about the scientist's work. We have a comedian today. Um, although I see that your uh, your wife actually graduated from MIT, which yeah. is awesome. What? My sort wife, of. my wife went to uh, MIT and Wharton, and she's also funny enough that the first time I told someone that, like, cause I told, a friend of mine went to Harvard Business School, so I was like, oh, my wife went to MIT and Wharton, so you know, business school and also college in Boston, and so I told him that, and my wife just goes, you gotta stop telling people that they're gonna think I'm ugly. She's <laughs> <laughs> great. That's, that's, that's yeah. All right. What point, did you study? Point is, I, I married uh, above my league. Uh, I was I was an American history major um, and a writing minor. So are you like intimidated by the fact that she's a super smart? Oh, she's way smarter than me. But also, I'm adult enough to know that that's okay. Yeah. Like there are. You're a smart guy there, though. There are definitely people. And uh, yeah, depends what room I'm in. Uh, I tell Griff he, he makes okay everyone. Too. He makes everyone feel Griff, stupid. In comedy, I'm a fucking genius. But <laughs> In a, a, around scientists, I could just quietly nod. I'll yes and scientists. <laughs> in fact, that's actually that's how we met. We, I was at one of your shows or yeah. taping, I think. And, yeah. And I came. I was like, you know, I have to object to a scientific comment. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember what it was at the time. But and then immediately that after that, he was like, "Can I be on one of your shows?" <laughs> <laughs> Basically, no. I don't think I even told you I did. You told you told me you were later. a comic because I remember thinking I was tricked. I thought this guy was a scientist. You he's thought, a comic. No, no, no. That was when we were on a show together. And then you asked me, he's like, why didn't you tell me you did comedy? And I was like, eh, I didn't, I've only been doing it for a little while. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, right. So sorry, you, yeah, that, you did later. definitely yeah, yeah. look like you thought I tricked you. Like, yeah. what? You came Wait, back and said, you're a scientist. What so does like, he do? I just, I didn't feel comfortable <laughs> coming up to you and saying, 
that wasn't a point where I wanted to bring that up. So you always introduce yourself as a scientist, not a comic, right? Well, uh, no, now I do both. I mean, it just depends where I am or how it's relevant. So do you introduce to scientists that you're a comic and to comics you're a scientist? Each one of his first names has a different believe, profession. Yeah, b- believe it or not, um, when you're at a scientific, like a like a place where there's a lot of scientists, like at a conference or something, I actually have to sometimes keep it secret that I do comedy because if you say that too early, they think that you're a crackpot because a lot of mm. crackpots go to, uh, just like you were talking about the kind of crazies that open my, yeah. we have crackpots that come to scientific conferences. And so if you do anything <laughs> that sounds too weird or not sciencey, <laughs> they immediately like think that there's something that you're not like actually a scientist. Oh. I had this, uh, yeah, I was at one conference. They're also all binary. See, I can hang. <laughs> hey. <laughs> All right, so I, I, there's some exciting news that's related to my work today, so I wanted to talk about it. Um, it's not super big, like, recent news, but it came out that way because a paper was published by a, a, an experiment in China called Daya Bay. That's kind of a weird one to say. It's it's a bay, like a bay of water. Daya Wan. That's, that's the Chinese that's pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, like awesome. that. Daya Wan. Didn't sound no, weird at all now. That was great. Daya Wan. Yeah. Wan is bay. Wan. So. Yeah, but every time I hear, every time people, bays? it's uh, one one. When I tell people it's diabetic here, they think I'm saying like, like diabetic. Like diab a diet. Uh, yeah. Chin Yang could say try to say like diet bay or something. Diet, like that. diet <laughs> bay. New diet bay. Yeah. So less uh, sugar than regular bay. That's San Francisco light. So Dibay is a neutrino oscillation experiment. Neutrino oscillations won the Nobel Prize this year, and not from Dibay, but uh, <laughs> it's in the same field. This is a more recent experiment. They might win a Nobel Prize too, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we constructed part of it at Caltech, so actually in that same building that you guys have been where my office is. And this news has to do with something called the, the uh, reactor anomaly. And it's called and an anomaly. What is, what is that? Well, anytime you see you hear anomaly in physics, it usually means thing we can't explain. It's like shorthand for thing we can't explain, but not so much that it's like a complete so breakdown. Science is an anomaly for me in general. Yeah, no, you're right. Right. <laughs> Your reaction is a reactor <laughs> <Right>. anomaly. <laughs> so, you know, it's not something like dark matter. We don't call that an anomaly because it's it's completely unexplained. Anomaly is like, oh, we almost can predict the answer, but not quite. It's off by a little bit. In this case, that's what happened with uh, the reactor anomaly. Reactors, uh, fission reactors, they give off something called anti-neutrinos. They give off a lot of them, like 10 to the 20, 10 to the 22 per second, a huge amount. I think I have that number right. Um, and they, we have predictions of how they should work. And you know, this is one of the first things that people learned about neutrinos is how they come off of reactors. Because when they developed the atom bomb, that was the main thing they were looking for was this reaction. So it goes into the calculations that go into it. So what has happened is we've built these neutrino experiments near reactors is the amount of neutrinos coming out of the reactor is not the amount that should be given the power out at, output of the reactor. So there's, it's off by, it's, it's jumped around a little bit here and there. It's off by like 5%, 3%. And uh, now it's just been, there's a new measurement that shows, reconfirms that it's very definitely not uh, on target with the predicted value. Uh, and even more strange is that in a particular region, a certain energy of these neutrinos, there's a huge bump that's extra off. We, there's no explanation for this bump. Is it dangerous that we're off by something? Is it going <coughs> to... Does that mean something's going to blow up or something? Uh, yeah, no, be- I mean, you can obviously build a bomb without getting the exact right answer. 
um, and you can build a reactor without knowing it. So um, you, it doesn't change the uh, it doesn't change the way the reactor works. It just is strange that we, there's some mechanism causing an extra amount. The reason it's exciting is because we don't know. It's possible that it's something really exciting, like new physics that we don't know about. Oh. But it's also very likely that it's just boring, like the energy states of plutonium are not well understood. And what I always think is kind of funny about these kind of calculations is it's not particularly clear that this would even be public information. So I work with one of the theorists who uh, you guys have seen him. He's in the hallway across from mine, Peter Vogel. He's one of the leading theorists on this. It's, it's, you know, it's totally possible that there's cross sections that have to do with plutonium and things like that that just never make it public because no one who works with that stuff has a lot of incentive to make sure that the, the scientific community has the right answer because it's usually associated with, uh, with atomic weapons. So, you know, there might be missing data on purpose. Mm. So the people who, because the people who work for that are like super villains. The Chinese. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I said, no. I'm not well, that's, that's <laughs> what's really interesting is China and America are, you know, in theory, we're uh, adversaries. But in it's theory, funny. though. Well, it's, well, this is what's funny about it, though. If we both, both uh, Chinese scientists who work on atom bombs and American scientists who work on atom bombs both have the wrong answer. Uh, or sorry, both have the right answer, but don't want to publicize it. They're both incentivized not to tell even their own scientists who are working on it. Who are not, uh, you know, not working on stuff. stuff. Mm. So Jim is excited. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> what do I do? What do I do with this? Yeah. How do we? <laughs> Look, make Jimmy money? told me to bring it up. Yeah, so, I don't know uh, what to do with this either, Kevin. I'm like, I'm not a colleague. So wait, let me see if I understand. I'm gonna, I'm gonna break this down in layman's terms. So, a new thing happened. You don't know if it's important. You don't know what explained it, and you're never gonna find out because it's top secret. Everything's right except the last part. You probably uh, won't find out. No, no, we absolutely will find out. Uh, I mean, it just it might have already been known. I mean, that's like saying that's just you don't theory. find out Santa is not real because nobody tells you. You can figure it out on your own. Your parents can keep it top secret, and what? eventually everyone will figure it out. What? <laughs> well, you're saying it's not necessarily it's not necessarily top secret. It just there's yeah, there's a chance there's a, there's that a possibility that they yeah, are yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, it's probably not actually secret. I think all the people who work on it do not have a good explanation for why it's there. Mm. And because it because there to... hasn't been it's been there it's been so, out there for and decades. And we need to solve so. this in the next twenty minutes. Like, how do we? Um, no. Okay. Exactly. There's just, no rush in solving this. this. <laughs> I didn't know if this was my homework assignment. Yeah, That'd be a hell of a podcast. Be like, we bring someone who doesn't have much science knowledge in. We give them an atomic reactor. Yeah. We see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, there's no urgency to this because it wouldn't blow up if you don't solve it. Like, nothing there's will happen. Always, yeah. There's always urgency to trying to find out why you don't understand something. I, I don't know why that wouldn't. I mean, that's urgency to me. When you don't understand something? Yeah, yeah. I guess that's I true mean, it, before. I like telling dick jokes on stage, but I would say if I were going to rank the two, it'd be more important to find out what's causing the anomaly. I don't know, dude. Your dick but, jokes are pretty important, dude. <laughs> what if your dick jokes are causing the anomaly? Yeah, what if that's the, the thing we don't know? And are you guys, are you guys, I, I don't see, I've been doing this podcast for what, months now? Maybe half a year? I still don't know what neutrino is. Yeah, I still don't either. I, <laughs> I, I didn't sound see, like I don't want to be the first one to say it. It still sounds like a cereal to me. I just, I, I don't get it. it. I thought it was a cracker. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a cracker. I'm like, no, but it makes more sense a cereal because it's the shape of the O. Neutrine and then O's. Neutrine O's. Oh, yeah, neutrine O's. O's. We were actually going to shoot a commercial. 
Yeah, you know, four like a kid's like, a kid comes in, it's like, Dad, I got a C on my math test. He's like, Jesus, son, did you eat your neutrinos? <laughs> like, no. Well, there you go, you idiot. <laughs> then he makes his kid eat a bowl of neutrinos. Jimmy, you could, you could be that guy in nine years. You could be that guy. You'd be like, I've been doing a science podcast for nine years. Yeah, so no, no I'm gonna know what, what neutrinos, neutrinos are. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, okay. So neutrinos are these uh, little tiny particles. They don't weigh very much. Uh, and they're given off. Uh, they're kind of like electrons, except they have no charge. So when an electron is out and about, it interacts with things. You know, we get electricity. Uh, with a neutrino, you can't trap it in a wire the way you can an electron. They don't bind to atoms the same way. In fact, they can basically go right through the earth and not be stopped. They're a free people. What, yeah. What, what are they the freest for? What is their importance? Well, breakfast. What do <laughs> think? I'm not sure you count this as using them for, but what do they? What is their, where their it purpose? comes up is, as I just mentioned, they are when you run a reactor and generate electricity. So that's where 20 percent of uh, the electricity going into this mic comes from is from. Knowing about neutrinos. 20%. From knowing about neutrinos or from neutrinos? <laughs> just made, now we're even well, more confused, see, yeah, Kevin. I'm like, how does knowing <laughs> oh, neutrinos? I need neutrinos Welcome right now. Welcome to the rabbit hole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. I, I never get over this, but when people say, what is this good for? I just, I just, That's I what we fume always inside. I know. Everyone always we don't, asks me. We just want to know. We don't, we don't know the details like you, but we just want to know, okay, how does that affect our daily life? And it's, yeah, it's neutrinos the like thing. the new shit, right? I don't, did I? No, they've been since the 50s. Oh, I just... Oh, I thought they put the new yeah. in Neutrino. <laughs> oh! Yeah, we got rid of the old Trinos and uh, uh, the Switch. Yeah, no, Enrico Fermi <laughs> named them Neutrinos. It means it's Italian for a little neutral one. See, Kevin, this is how I wanted the podcast to be the whole time. You talk about really smart stuff, and Jimmy and I sit around and go, what? Yeah, but, but you huh? got to understand, scientists who listen to this, it gets exhausting. I, I guarantee you. It's For just, them to listen to our confusion? What's that? No, just I? to have that question over and over. Because the fundamental <laughs> answer is to understand how the universe works. That is the main purpose of your entire life, whether you know it or not. I mean, you're only here because we spent the last 500 years figuring out how things work. You wouldn't be here. You'd be in a cave or something. <laughs> so it's a weird I thing to I would definitely make it. They didn't have sunscreen back then, so I know I'd yeah. be in a cave. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's the same. Like, the canonical example is why did... I might what, be in a hut. That's just me. A little more civilized than me. I mean, like, the canonical <laughs> example is you go back in time, you're like, hey, Albert... You worked on this great theory, this theory of relativity. He means that, Einstein. Yeah. Albert, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, oh, come on, Kevin. All right, Albert Einstein, you go back. Could be yeah, Albert, Albert could be Al Newton. Albert Brooks. <laughs> Albert, Albert Galileo. Albert, what's, what's the point of this whole relativity? How does that affect my life? He's like, well, it's very important understanding how the, you know, the universe works and how the gravity around Earth works. Wait, wait, wait. But Kevin. you could just go up to him now and you'd be like, you could just say, oh, it's so your phone knows where it is so you can play Foursquare. No, but Kevin, they're not saying what's the point of why you know this. Like, they're not making fun of you for wanting to know it. Like, they're saying, like, okay, how does this relate to how the Earth works? Thank you, Steve. Yeah. I, 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 he's so smart, it's hard for him to understand no, how we no, speak. No, no, no. I've heard this question over and over. I want people to step back from asking it. I'm, I don't want if you guys ask it. Maybe because you haven't answered it. What is, what, yeah, what is, big guy. Because the answer is always the same. Nothing. Everything. I don't know. Let's Kevin, find out. did you Those have your neutrinos this morning? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, like somebody didn't eat them. Because I still don't understand how, what neutrino is. I'm more confused than I was five minutes ago. 
Just throwing that out there. Okay. I am too. And I didn't think that was possible. Well, guess what? Neutrinos aren't exactly easy to understand. We don't even know very much what they are. Because are we using that's, using a that's a great answer. Yeah. Are we using neutrinos to talk about neutrinos uh, in our brains? No. In no. the microphone? No, no. No, you use electrons, which are very similar to neutrinos. But 20% of this microphone. <laughs> I'm quoting a scientist right now. Right, so so electri- electrons are very useful. I think we can all agree on that. They've right. been doing a great job for the last 100 years. Um, electrons are <laughs> before very... that though, little lazy, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really lazy. So you know, so electrons are very closely related to neutrinos. They just one is really, really useful and creates all of our bodies and life and everything, and all our technologies based on it. Neutrinos though, just pass right through everything. So mm-hmm. other than when we detect them, they don't really, uh, they don't interact with us at all. In fact, like, only about one or two neutrinos will ever interact with your body in your entire life. Okay, wait. Whoa. So yeah. ho- hold on a moment. <laughs> wow. It's a very big neutrino in the bowl. So uh, <laughs> here's, here's, you only need one. Here's the, here's the difference. Like, I think when you ask a scientist why something is, and the scientist knows why, they are thrilled to tell you. I think if you ask a scientist why something is, and science doesn't know why that is yet, instead of saying, well, we don't know yet, they'll say, well, why are you even asking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, no, because, I mean... So uh, just you, then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, All the reason, the, are way the reason that's with. not true is because the question, what is something, is not even a scientific question. It's a philosophical question. Yeah, that's I know we're not scientists. I can write down, I and other physicists, we can write down very good descriptions of what a neutrino is. I cannot present that to you and go, oh, here's a neutrino. It won't make any sense. It won't be that easy. Like, it yeah, does be this like, and that. It's simple. Yeah, it'd be like, let's ask a dolphin what this, you know, this thing means. Hey, and they'll just squeak at you. Hey, you know? just because... Look, all right, I know I don't have a science background, but my wife did go to MIT, and the way transitive properties work is once you have sex with someone who knows stuff, then you know stuff. Yep. Kevin, so, you want to have sex? This, <laughs> this is the weirdest pickup line I've ever heard. Kevin, we're going to be really smart. <laughs> well, so neutrino, it's important to know what it is because it's like a basic building block. of. It's like a part of like a proton-electron type of deal. Yeah, it's a, a basic breakfast. It's yeah. a basic building block yeah. of the universe. That fundamental particle. So Very to, important in what's called the standard model of particles. So particle. say that. Right. So to understand, basically to understand <laughs> science, you got to know this little Lego block called the neutrino. Yeah. Oh, see? Uh, I think we all would have gotten that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in particular, neutrino is a really good model for what we think dark matter likely is, because dark matter also doesn't interact with things. And the big difference there is, so a very simple model for dark matter is, dark matter is a neutrino that weighs a lot. Neutrinos weigh almost nothing. They, they're extremely light. We used to think they weighed absolutely nothing, but that turned out to just be uh, like an approximation. They're just very, very light, and we don't know how light they are. We just know that they have a little well, bit of it, mass. if it's a particle that doesn't interact with anything that just exists in the world, it's got to weigh next to nothing. Well, no, because dark matter might not be. Dark matter might be something that's very heavy, but still doesn't interact. That's also a possibility. That's weird. And there's more dark matter in the universe than there is us. So a motivation for learning about that is, what the hell is the universe made out of? Is there a very tasteless mm. scientist somewhere, a very inappropriate scientist who has a dark matter matters t-shirt? We've Someone said it. I think that. Owen said it on the podcast once. Yeah. 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 We think we turned it into a hashtag. Well, if you're listening to this, uh, tweet out Dark Matter Matters 
Or don't, yeah. because or don't. that yeah. is very offensive. <laughs> <laughs> Notice how I couched it in an offensive character so that it wasn't my own? <laughs> you did Griff's right. voice. You should do Griff's voice next yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> Some hypothetical thinking. asshole might say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the, to relate back to this story, now I'm starting to understand what neutrinos are. So to relate back to this story, neutrinos, this, this plan... Com- compresses neutrinos or something no the the detector in china detects neutrinos which is a very Uh, hard thing to do because they interact so infrequently so the only way you can detect them is you make something uh really really devoid of all background signals because the reason they're hard to detect is not that you can't see the signal when they do it's just that the the natural world is so radioactive like we a lot of people don't remember that but the earth itself rocks you everything is very microwaves i mean come yeah. on you know yeah jimmy especially <laughs> <What>? jimmy's <laughs> super radioactive you can microwaves? feel it i was never oh, mind right. <laughs> look at the <laughs> microwaves no they're not there aren't enough neutrinos charging with electrons and microwaves how, just, how do you not understand that <laughs> I was just hoping for a few chuckles, and then Kevin just judged me. Huh? He's in a different wavelength. Are there neutrinos in that wavelength? <laughs> Can't detect them. We're not in China. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so, so you can detect them by making something very, very big uh-huh. so that the odds of it running into something are higher. Like you can have a giant vat of water. That's how they were first detected. And it, they'll run into the water occasionally, but... You have to have this huge amount, like like just hundreds and hundreds of tons of water, an enormous tank. Gallons. But then he can't. Gal- yeah. I don't mean to get all scientific on you, but that's the measurement. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so, why? <laughs> I'm sitting here talking, and you're like, okay. No. Yeah, sign language. Oh, in sign language, mean? I said other news stories. What are you saying? You, I'm Chris answering a question, Griff. Signal Jesus. something. Jesus. What, what, what was the no, signal? Go ahead. What was the signal, Griff? I was signaling, you know, like, uh, what, like, what other news stories do we have? Why would you oh. do that while I'm talking, though? It's anyway, so crazy. Go ahead. Go you ahead. see, there's a lot of civil Because he forgot to do it 10 podcast. minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> this was your idea, man. I know. This was your idea. You want the news stories. I love them. It's right. Jimmy's idea. But he yeah. wants more of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I got I to gotta answer this question. Do you want me to answer a question or just Yeah, no, move continue. On? Yeah, I will finish no, answering and then we'll move on. Hold on. I want to see the scientific experiment of not letting Kevin answer a question. <laughs> oh. Dude, that is just... Where he knows the answer and he wants to tell us, but we don't let him. A, a long experiment where nobody wants to hear what the science's answer is. That sounds like the Republican debate to me. Oh, oh snap. There it Dropped is. a bomb. Yeah. With lots of neutrinos in it. Yeah. But we, we don't know quite how many. Don't know. Yeah. We don't quite know we how don't many. Quite know how many <laughs> neutrinos. Or the mass of them. Okay, so the let me just go on to the next news story. Yay, science. Yeah. So this one I think is hilarious. So hostile um, this podcast is. Yeah. <laughs> but yet so exciting. You know? yeah. I'm glad Steve is Steve is like no, the peacemaker. Like the yeah. is fun. On yeah, our this podcast. Is fun. <laughs> He's the guest peacemaker. That's great. Yeah. So uh, the other news story is that apparently the astronauts on Apollo 10, I love this because it's a conspiracy theory about the moon landing that actually is apparently true. They heard these sounds when they went on the backside of the moon. So just so to remind you. Backside on the moon. That's a horrible Pink Floyd CD. Yeah. It's a rip off of Pink Floyd. It's just a, it's just a, a rainbow going through a prism, but the prism is shaped like an ass. Yeah. <laughs> Backside on the moon. Hashtag that, people. Yeah. 
So uh, just to remind you, though, a lot of people get the far side of the moon and the dark side of the moon con- confused. So They're, what's the back side? The, so the, the back side is the far side. But okay. The different, Things are making it less worse. The ass of the moon. Yeah. <laughs> the um, ass moon. So the, uh, the far side of the That's moon. That's why it's called a moon, by the way. <laughs> hey. Yep. So the far side of the moon is the part of the moon that uh, is always facing away from the Earth. We never see it. No, none of us have seen it in person. So and we it never really will. exist then? It really exists. We know because question. we know because satellites go around it. In fact, China announced they're going to land on it. They're going to be the first people to actually land on the far side of the moon. Boom! Which is something no, that we has, can't let the Chinese beat us at something. Well, it's never been done before because normally you'd want to be in constant contact with Earth, and so back in the '60s that wasn't an option. That'd be too dangerous because you wouldn't be able to talk to Earth. In fact, when the astronauts go, they, they're always in radio silence. The difference now, though, is we have satellites everywhere, so you could put a satellite that lets them talk to a satellite and then goes back to the Earth. Verizon, for sure. So anyway, Apollo 10 was doing this thing. They were going on the backside, and so they're out of radio contact with Earth. And then all of a sudden, they heard this, what they called music. And uh, we're going to play a clip of that. That didn't mean to keep it sound on her, Stacey, didn't it? Did you hear that? That whistling sound? Woo! So do you guys call call that music? music? Yeah. (laughs) Now, by the way, oh, did I just sound like my grandparents? That's, that's not music. I mean, I don't know. It kind of sounded like Lana Del Rey a little. <laughs> Only not as whiny. Um, it, to me, it just sounds like every sci-fi sound they had in the 50s because all yeah. they would do for special effects then is like tune a radio to something weird and they'd get that Can sound. Can we play so. it again? It kind of sounds like someone driving on a highway from a distance. Yeah. He played mm. again. That's kind of like a highway. A little bit. A little bit. Cars <laughs> driving by on the highway at night. Just a little bit. Pretty sure someone recorded cars in the 405 okay, here, at night. Yeah, but this is the uh, this is the tricky part is that they were not in view of the earth. There was The moon was in between them and the earth. So it had to be something that was somehow whizzing around. But it's just a sound. It's <laughs> no, not that's music. Not it's not a okay. transmission. It's a sound. That would be like... Okay, if you were you just said words and called it comedy. Uh, <laughs> I met a few of those Saw people. Saw my set last week, huh? So no, th- that happens. Or just some, do a bunch like, of accents. Like uh, imagine, <laughs> imagine if you like. Okay, sometimes you know you're asleep at night. You you hear a little something in your house, and odds are it's like the house settling, or it's like something fell off a shelf, or whatever it is. Would you ever at one point go, who's playing music? (laughs) 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 Or would you understand that different things in the universe make sounds sometimes? Are we not supposed to hear any sounds? That's why this is significant? No, you know, I think it's just because somebody finally found a cover-up of some sort in that this was never reported to the public. Wait, what is this, though? Someone found this old recording. It's a recorded of this music quote but uh, from is, the 60s but what does space sound like what is like what is another astronaut walking up to where you are sound like what is like there's That's, what's the control is what you're asking because in yeah. scientific experiment you always have the control yeah the, yeah, I, that's the a good point. idea of like what what does it sound like when there is a comet going by the moon i don't know <laughs> what else I, is I, happening asteroid would have a cool sound there's no way we can record that though uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you make a good point, is that they made a recording, and people are like, whoa, that's what space sounds like. It must mean there's aliens. That seems to be the the conclusion Which is so ridiculous. Like, that wasn't 
I didn't hear George Jetson talking in there, <laughs> yeah. or whatever it was. Like that there was no tempo, there was no meter. I expected to hear the Star Wars lounge music. Yeah, just that would have been amazing. It's particularly funny because a lot of the false, uh, the, like the false positives of detecting aliens throughout history, a lot of them have been from radio waves. And there's a lot of things in, in space that sound surprisingly interesting. There's like, there's these clicking sounds from pulsars where they go. Like that. So that got everyone excited when they first discovered them. They thought, oh, that's an alien study set. But, you know, space clicks sometimes. It's so, so ridiculous that people, like, they just go, sound aliens. <laughs> when, like, if you're just in a field, no one's near you. Nothing is near you. No animals, anything. And a breeze goes through the tree. It makes a noise. Yeah, which is known as music. <laughs> which is, yeah, no one would be like, listen to that jazz. Like, it's not... It makes a noise. The universe yeah. makes noises. But this, this is a common phenomenon to scientists all the time. This happens all the time. Like, there's some little thing that's not explained. Boom, it's aliens or Jesus or God or whatever. <laughs> it's aliens or it Jesus. It happens all the One time. One or the other. <laughs> so to that's, the science community, this is not that big of a deal. But then I once know, it got I, released I to the public, it was like, oh, oh, the witch on the backside of the ass moon. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> think there's... There's a hemorrhoid on the moon. Well, I mean, it's always interesting to run into an unexplained phenomenon in that the sure. explanation could be very boring. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, radio sounded like that back then, you know, which they probably did. Mm -hmm. yeah. It could be interesting, though. It could be the Van Allen uh, belts. There's magnetic fields that uh, drift off of Earth. Those, in the absence of all the radio that's normally coming from Earth, they might actually then be, you can listen there, to them. There's a ton of stuff. I get the <laughs> idea of like anything that is unexplained, science wants to explain it. And that's wonderful. What I think is just such, just, just nutball stuff is when people are like, it's unexplained. So it must be the least likely scenario. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Since we don't know exactly what it is, it must be like... Yeah, that happened with the, uh, we talked about it on the show, the, the the supposed alien structures that were around a distant star. So Kepler, who looks for exoplanets, it's a it's a satellite that looks for exoplanets. It found this one where there weren't planets, there was some enormous structure. And so immediately someone joked, oh, it's an alien, uh, it's a... Enormous structure. Yeah, well... What do you mean by structure? Oh, okay, that's very silly. There was no structure to it. It's just that there was something very large that was orbiting the star. Was and it a moon? No, it was something really large. A moon is not large. This is something large, yeah. larger than a planet. Something really big. Well, it's so the first jo the first uh, somebody just joked one of the scientists like, "Oh, it's a Dyson sphere." So that just took off, and that got all the press because mm. people were like, "Oh, we discovered." Do you know what a Dyson sphere is? It's like a no, but it sounds like a hilarious joke. It yeah, sounds it's, like it's, a giant vacuum. Like, vacuum yeah. that's like <laughs> that's, like that's, the that's the ball in the bottom of the vacuum. Yeah, that, oh, yeah, that, that has to so be the, the Dyson. Yeah, Dyson's like, like, I finally figured out to, how to invent the perfect ball. <laughs> I love yeah. that guy's commercial. <laughs> yeah. I just love his vacuum so, so much. Serious about my it too. My ball stopped bouncing, but I invented the perfect ball that never stops bouncing. Your dogs having problems getting hair on the but use the Dyson sphere. Has your fan been working just fine? I invented one that's a little better than nobody needs. <laughs> but why do you need blameless fans? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ten percent better, but a hundred times. He loves solving do problems you... that people don't have. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this is not a named after him. This is named after Freeman Dyson, a physicist, and he came up with this idea that super civilizations in the future we would build an enormous sphere to capture all the energy of the sun. 
So wow. this is like way off there. Obviously, we're not even close to that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like, so this is like a fantasy like Ray, Ray Bradbury type stuff. Yeah, yeah. So very science fiction. So somebody joked, "Oh, we can't explain this one pattern from this satellite. Must be Dyson sphere." And but that's the kind that gets a lot of attention. People, people love people that. People want to believe. That goes viral. Cool stuff like, like that. Okay, like let's say you're gonna go get lunch with a friend of yours, and your friend is seven minutes late. Okay. <laughs> Do you assume your friend left a little late? Got caught in traffic, had trouble parking. Or do you assume, quite possibly, that your friend left early, way early, and, and because they had so much time, they decided to go into the store next door, and the mob was running that store, and then the mob abducted them, and then turned them into a hitman, and then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. No, you don't assume that, because it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Because there's a perfectly fine explanation, and you might never know what it is. Right. Unless your friend tells you, the universe <laughs> might never answer the question as to why they're sending this late. That's a great point, but I think people are just so bored in their daily lives. When something close yes. like your friend, they wouldn't do that. But when it's like a planet or your friend on a planet, they always to go to the... Cri- it's like when you buy a lottery ticket. You don't. Yeah. You shouldn't expect to win, but people are like, I'm winning the lottery tonight. I'm going to win the lottery tonight. I'm going to buy you a house. Buy I gotta my justi- house. I got to justify this a little bit. So you guys, you got on my... my rough side when you said well what is this good for to me it's that i'm always thinking this is the explanation for the universe's most important questions but there is a little tempting thing to occasionally go like oh so we can talk to aliens because i know that sometimes that answer will actually be the one people want to hear and they're like oh okay now that's a thing i can wait what does this have to do with us being mean before no no i don't mind (laughs) mean. no so you're saying You're no, saying, it'd be fun. It, that yeah. would be great. And yeah. it gets science more publicity and attention right. in the media. So people care about science more when you have fun stuff to talk about. Yeah. Right. When yeah. they think that everybody wears a, a silver jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what so, everyone well, thinks aliens So a colleague of mine, he used to answer the question, what are neutrinos good for? And as mm-hmm. a joke to answer that, I should have done it. I should have just played along. He goes, neutrino cell phones. That was his answer, and everyone go and I, just go. And I, yeah, everyone goes. Oh, now okay, I get now it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Makes total sense. Because instead of having to go around the Earth, which takes pi times as long as it takes to go through, you get there faster. Pi so, tastes good. Yeah, it's sorry. Us. <laughs> uh, no, I, I. My point <laughs> sorry. is. <laughs> I apologize. Sorry. You don't have to apologize for, for the bad joke. My point <laughs> was, uh, and I get, I get the idea that like. Yeah, wouldn't it be fun if something unexplainable was because of something we don't know yet and we learn something new and that's great. But the the thing that gets me is the people who immediately jump to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. And it's just like when I hear a noise out in the yard, I also don't go, murderer. Yeah. <laughs> like the first thing but I do is... a lot of people do. It's a maybe, the, maybe the wind... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> By it the has way, to be. There has been some unexplainable shit in my yard. Where we randomly will find food there, and we I get all drunk. And the, the, I've been here. Before. The best explanation <laughs> is we think because there are a lot of stray cats in the neighborhood. We think that maybe like the kids from the apartment building next door, like we're throwing food mm. over. And when we say food, I'm I'm talking like a couple of hot dogs randomly, and like just some really weird, unexplainable shit. But then we put a sign up that says "Stop throwing food in the yard." <laughs> You know, it's our dogs, sign. like, you're poisoning our dogs, 
and then it stopped instantly. And so we're like, okay, that's what happened. <laughs> so it's aliens that knows how to read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, I have one more. Aliens throwing hot dogs. One more personal story, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. Um, I'm very excited to that we just completed running uh, the neutron lifetime experiment, which is actually directly related to the anomaly. Because what's that's, the importance of that, Kevin? That is very important because <laughs> Wait, is, the, is this the lifetime achievement award in the field of neutrons? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, no, I'm too young for that, but I hope yeah. to get it someday. Um, no, the neutron lifetime, the neutron is not stable inside of a nucleus like the proton is. So, you, you know, there's neutrons and protons in a nucleus, right? We all remember that Duh. one. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> so the neutron doesn't have electrical charge. In fact, it's not too different from a neutrino. That's why it has the name that's so it's similar. It's neutral. Yeah, exactly. Bingo. So, Learning. <laughs> so uh, we're, we have an experiment at Los Alamos that I'm, I'm, I'm part of the collaboration for. We've been working on it for 10 years. Los Alamos is where Brian Cranston's from. Right. right. That's where he, he makes his meth. Um, so uh, so when we did this experiment. We ran it this year, and we've cleaned it up and uh, wrapping up the experiment, and we're going to publish the results soon. But along the way, we did something really cool that we think nobody's done before. We're not positive. But we stored neutrons, which only last about 10 minutes-ish, is the 880 seconds is their lifetime. We stored them in there for an hour and a half. And we think that, so we actually left them in our trap, and then we came back an hour and a half later and then put a detector in, and there were still um, several dozen neutrons left. And we think we're the only people to store free neutrons for that amount of time. Ooh, so that's was, amazing. I, I considered, like... I even could asked be, the collaborators, like, should we make like a like a press announcement? You know, because that's the whole point. This could Is be. It's the only time we can get. Technically, it's not that big of an achievement, but it's an exciting thing. That I, should, uh, I actually there. have been doing an experiment for the last fourteen years. I know ten years seems like a long time, but I've been doing an experiment <laughs> for fourteen years, uh, where I see if a redheaded Jewish kid from Queens could masquerade as a stand-up comic. <laughs> And so far, it's uh, I've no results. <laughs> well, and, and no empirical data. And he's got uh, ten Cambodian kids locked up in his basement. That's been successful so far. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. not even an experiment. I knew the results. <laughs> that's just a thing. This for fun. I knew, the, I knew the results going in. That's harder than he trapping the neutrons. That's my control group. But seriously, <laughs> I'm going to stop throwing hot dogs in your yard. Yeah, I appreciate that, Griff. Thank you. <laughs> All right, thank you for being on the show, Steve Hofstetter. This has been really fun. Steve, um, you want to plug guess, something? Yeah, I, hey, I was. I was uh, yeah, <laughs> I do. I don't know. I don't know what the crossover will be, but I have a podcast uh, called Major League Podcast. Where if you're a baseball fan, you will enjoy it. I talk to. Uh, I I have pretty much unprecedented uh, access to players where we talk to them about like being people like I asked CJ Nikowski what it's like to be traded for a player to be named later like does that hurt your feelings when that happens <laughs> that's very cool uh, so it's it's stuff like that and uh, and it's it's been going real well so check it out at majorleaguepodcast.com uh, or you can find it on uh, wherever this podcast wherever you're listening to uh, unless you listen on this podcast website in which case it's probably not there but I mean iTunes and Stitcher and stuff yeah this is iTunes Stitcher and yeah. SoundCloud just recently Whoa. Uh, if I were ever on a, a baseball podcast I'd just be like what, what's the point of baseball <laughs> what is that for oh, what's yeah? the importance yeah. of baseball <laughs> 
See, we didn't right, ask I'm... the point of the whole science. We asked the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we didn't ask what? the point of the industry. Right. What's, What's the point of science? I, no, I, asked, this, I asked the same <laughs> questions oh like we did, like on the baseball podcast. Yeah. Asking a question about the significance of a trade is the same thing as saying what is the significance of yeah. a neutrino. Oh, oh my okay. god! I'm going to start right. asking your colleagues what's what's the importance of science. That question comes up a lot too. That would be amazing to just to just do that. Just go in a room full of scientists, be like, guys, I. Got, I got one more question. <laughs> the fuck's the point of this? <laughs> <laughs> just walk Why away. Why do you bother? <laughs> do you you say that, but that's actually really common. Your life. It really is. You know Jesus disproved all of what you're doing, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you, uh, Jimmy? You can obviously follow me at Funny Asian Dude and um, go find me on CelebDickSize.com. You can always find it. Oh, and uh, can I, I don't mean to be a one upper. Can I make an announcement? Yeah, go for it. It's fun stuff. Um, so. I, I'm going to be in a movie. Uh, oh, sweet. Yeah it's, a, yeah, it's great. It's a very serious movie uh, called Patriot's Day with um, Wahlberg and J.K. Simmons. So Damn, far. I'm so awesome. It's gonna, That's awesome. It's going to be fun stuff. Do you awesome. play a stereotypically Asian guy? Yeah, but it's based on a real, <laughs> but it's based on a real guy. that was Because nice. uh, the whole movie is about the Boston Marathon. Bobby. Oh, wow. Yeah, so this kid, I don't know if you guys remember this kid. He was like carjacked by the brothers and stuff. Uh, and yeah, yeah, he's super Asian. That's gonna be so, you. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah, awesome, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be fun stuff. <laughs> Getting so too I, big I, for this podcast. I, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's uh, too big for my britches. <laughs> oh, you know, it, any shows? You know, Kevin's fun? career, <laughs> Kevin's comedy career is like a neutrino in that it never interacts with anything. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, Get this man some Neosporin. Uh, oh my god. Can you gosh. at least tweet that at me so I get some oh, kind of publicity wow. from that? Yeah, burnt <laughs> like a brutal. ginger at the beach. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Do it. Burn you with your own devices. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, or Steve. Oh, yeah, Griff. Griff. That's I was trying to... Oh, yeah, I forgot about you. <laughs> I was actually trying to cut I'm you out. I'm going to start doing hot dogs in your yard, too. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, you can follow me at Griff Pippen and uh, all my social media. I've got a big show Wednesday downtown. It's my monthly show, um, Comedy Jackpot, at Casey's Irish Pub, downtown LA. Sounds right. good. Uh, well, um, when's this podcast getting out? Uh, probably tomorrow. Okay, so Wednesday. Me and Perfect. Steve's doing uh, oh, yeah. the show at the Laugh Factory. Uh, Laugh Factory. I do uh, every Wednesday at the Laugh Factory in uh, Hollywood and every Thursday at the Laugh Factory in Long Beach. And for people listening all over the country, go to uh, ComedySupply.com. You can uh, pick up complimentary tickets. We have shows in 16 different cities. Boom. Uh, so I'm not going to name them all right now. And is Laughs on air right now? Uh, yeah, yeah. Laughs is airing. Uh, so you'd listen that, watch that in various places. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks nice. for having me. Oh, fun stuff. Fun oh, stuff. that was. That was